we are looking at a series called Things Hidden from the Foundation of the World and this is the third in a series of the idols that must die part 3 today but mostly i am referring to certain deceptions because an idol is created by a deception because idol is an imitation it is not the real thing so unless we understand the deception we will not understand the nature of the idol that must die so we said that the first deception was the denial of the doctrine of divine judgment in other words god will not make you accountable that's what i meant by judgment i don't mean judging judging it is accountability before god god won't make you accountable so go ahead and live any which way you want the second deception was denying the sovereignty of god that is the preeminence of god in everything and desiring something they already had god has given us everything but then when we desire something more than what god has given to us then we are saying god is not all knowing all powerful it's uh, questioning the sovereignty of god in everything the third deception we looked at last week was the false hope that knowledge of good and evil is the same as having the ability and the will to reject evil and choose only good virtually following on from the the post renaissance post reformation man sorry about the word man came to the conclusion of calling themselves the enlightened people as if the time before that well it was called the dark ages so from the dark ages comes the enlightened man and the enlightened man somehow is better than those who lived in the dark ages but what we know is that the enlightened man has given rise to everything that is not so illuminating and this is a tragedy that we are living today knowledge is not the answer now i watch television shows they are like father brown now <laughs> i don't know if you watch this british uh think of father brown father brown is based on well it's not based based but that is the name title gk chesterton's writings he was a great scholar writer and uh, based on that but the, invariably in every episode you can hear father brown saying it is never too late to repent and ask for god's forgiveness almost it's one of the few shows where those words are said so frankly and so openly and it is a popular show Father Brown always says to the offender it is never too late to repent and ask for God's forgiveness and it's beautiful i mean there are times people want to jump off a cliff or jump off a roof or something and father brown will stand there with his steely face and say there is no need for you to do that it is never too late to repent and ask for God's forgiveness what an answer what a lovely thing this is what gives us hope anyway i pointed out that there were three categories of trees in the garden not three kinds you may remember we talked about the three categories of trees all kinds of trees that were pleasing to the eyes and good for food that was almost every tree in the garden it's very interesting it very clearly says in genesis chapter 2 it says that god created all kinds of trees that were pleasing to the eyes and good for food full stop there was no need for anything else so in the garden before sin pleasure every tree that god created was pleasing to the eyes and that is the truth 
That is a reality. We don't have to search for pleasure. It was already in the plan of God. The second was the tree of life, pleasing to the eyes, but not necessary for human existence or sustenance in the garden because it couldn't give you anything more than what the first lot of trees were giving as far as human beings were concerned. The third is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, pleasing to the eyes, once again, not necessary for life in the garden. They only needed the first category of trees, not the second and third. They just needed food to sustain them in the garden and they were very happy as we would be today. They were stimulated and entertained by the beauty of God's creation. How much we admire and enjoy the trees. Admire and enjoy the trees, fruit, flowers and rivers and every other bit of this fallen creation. Now, just imagine how much more delightful and delectable the garden must have been before the fall. They had nothing more to gain by eating from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they still did it because they wanted it. They desired it. That is called greed. It is also a bit of arrogance. And that is the nature of deception we face every day, even in our lives today. We don't need something. I said this. I read this for you last week. We don't need something that we don't need. I mean, that's a pretty silly way of saying it. We don't need something when we don't need something. Once again, the tempter did not give them anything new. We need to understand that. Temptation does not satisfy because it is a perversion of the real and it can never quench our thirst for truth. The temptation was nothing more than a promise of what they already had. They already knew what was good and evil because they were created in the image of God. In fact, they had no need to know what was evil until the tempter arrived. They knew that what was good or what is good is to obey God. To love him and worship him with their heart, soul and mind is what is good. To enjoy his provision and look after the creation is what is good. That is what God has created us for because that is what God required of them. In philosophy and ethics, there are two reasons or justifications often given for doing anything, especially if we do something slightly dubious and wrong or offending. The first one is necessity. There are two little categories of necessity. So the first is necessity. My action is necessitated by my situation in life. This is why I did that. I hope you understand that. Necessity. It is necessitated and that is beyond my control. So I broke the speed limit because I had to get my wife to the hospital to deliver the baby. I, it was necessitated. We see this graphically depicted in the actions of Victor Hugo's immortal hero, Jean Valjean. As he stood in front of the bakery, looking at all kinds of bread inside, there was just a pane of glass between the bread and starvation, as he says. Just a pane of glass between bread and starvation, life and death. He breaks the glass and subsequently spent almost 20 years in horrible conditions in jail, abused and victimized. We do not condemn him. In fact, we feel sorry for him. Our heart goes to him and he is the hero. Why? Because he did what he did out of necessity. It was a question of life and death. We feel with him and excuse his action. Of course, 
he could have chosen not to steal and accept the consequences the consequences would be die of starvation or wait for a miracle beg in the streets something like that we have the example of joseph daniel and others like our dear friend king david who did not do the wrong thing even under great duress and extreme necessity even david actually is not a bad guy in some ways he said i'm not going to kill saul he refused even though he had the opportunity and it would have solved a lot of his problems joseph stayed in jail though it was unjust daniel got thrown to the lions and waited for god to act so the, this is all good examples you probably noticed that i did not mention jesus here by the way he was hungry after fasting for 40 days and the devil came to deceive him the tempter suggested that he should turn stones into bread he was here referring to the logic of necessity you are hungry 40 days that's a lot of time not eating necessity as a reason for doing something and it wasn't even wrong i'm not including this episode here as i hope to reflect on this at a later time in fact i am going to spend a whole session looking at the temptations of christ in relation to what i'm saying now though i will make some reference as we go along the second part of necessity is it is determined so there is necessity i am necessitated as uh, the situation necessitates second is determination this is a kind of predestination fatalism you know what can i do there is no choice but for it to happen because it is determined that way this is how it is in the greek tragedy of oedipus rex we see oedipus who kills his father and marries his mother now those of us who have read the story the play knows that oedipus did not have a choice because it was prophesied that this is what is going to happen so it was determined that it would happen whether you like it or not on june 20 2001 andrea eights drowned her five children noah 7 john 5 paul 3 luke 2 and mary 6 months according to a defense expert andrea eights believed killing her five children would be a final defeating blow to the satan so she drowned her five children because she wanted to defeat satan a final blow to the devil that was the excuse given it is determined that she should do it the temptation of christ in the wilderness teaches us the theory of determination does not always lead us into doing the wrong thing in the first two temptations jesus frustrated the tempter's incitement by using the same theory of determination in fact he returns the argument of the devil the devil says you have a necessity eat jesus said it is determined what did he say it is written is it he uses the same argument not to do something wrong he says the tempter challenged jesus to turn stones into bread in the second temptation was to worship the devil jesus responded it is written both times now you may notice the third temptation the devil uses the determination where he says it is written that god will look after you he will send his angels very interesting so i want you to think sometime we will we will look at this in some detail about the temptations of christ in the wilderness and see how it works it's a very intriguing study there's so much in it as i explored it but i i hope i have given you a taste for it you know because people say it is determined i mean like andrea eight kills her five children because it is determined Oedipus 
kills his father and marries his mother because it was prophesied. But Jesus says, I'm not doing it because it is written. So the theory of determination can go both ways. It need not be one way only. So it is not a matter of a theory of convenience. What is convenient to me? It is what is the right thing to do. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus said, in other words, it is determined, said Jesus to the devil. And we read that the devil left him. The first dogma of determinism is apparently nothing occurs at random, but everything for a reason and by necessity. But the point we need to understand is it is not always bad that happens by necessity. We must also choose to do good by necessity. That's a point that I'm trying to make. So the first reason justification often given for doing anything, especially doing something wrong, is necessity. And I gave two points. That is, my action was necessitated because. The second was my action was, I did what I did because it was determined. Both come under the necessity argument. The second is contingency. What I do now was necessitated by prior events because it is contingent upon. We call these mitigating factors. In other words, unavoidable factors. For example, in the story of the temptation of Jesus, the tempter presents hunger as a mitigating factor. You are hungry. So the natural logic that follows from that is a hungry man must eat, but there is no bread around. So what can you do? You have the power to perform miracles. Perform a miracle. Turn stones into bread. It's all beautiful contingency. One thing follows to the other and to the other and to the other. The question is, is this what I should do doesn't come into the picture. This is exactly what happened in the garden. There is a tree of knowing good and evil. Eat. Eve doesn't ask, why should I? Because then you will know. You will be like God. But I am already like God. God created me in his image and likeness. What more can I have by eating this tree? That question was not asked. The tempter said, you have demonstrated your commitment to God and your strength of character by fasting for 40 days. It follows that you should get some tangible value out of it. You know, you have fasted for 40 days, man. What are you going to get out of it? There should be something, some tangible result. It follows that you should get some tangible value out of it. The best way to demonstrate that is by a public display of your power. Show that God has approved you. Show that what you have just done was pleasing to God. You know, long time ago, when I was working, a young Christian working in, a, in an organization called Operation Mobilization, one of the leaders was sharing and he said, how temptation happened. And he said, you know, you've been kneeling down and fasting and praying and you've been kneeling in a position for two hours and then just as you finished prayer, somebody walks in and they didn't even see you kneeling and praying. What a terrible disappointment. So what you do is you go back on your knees and continue on for another 45 seconds so they can see that you have actually been praying and make a comment on it. And now that is value. You see, this, this is exactly what the devil was saying to Jesus. It is not about your hunger. It is other people seeing that you have the power to meet the hunger, satisfy your hunger. And that is important. People must see it. Jesus' brothers said, what's the point in doing miracles here in Galilee? 
<laughs> no one of any value lives here. If you want to do real miracles, go to Jerusalem. Go to the capital. That is where the action is. Go and perform some miracles there. Don't hang around and waste your time. The tempter said, you have demonstrated your commitment to God and your strength of character by fasting for 40 days. It follows that you should get some tangible value out of it. The best way to demonstrate that is by a public display of your power. Jesus responded to the devil. You pointed out one of my obvious needs, but I have other needs that are not so obvious to you or to me. Very important to understand. You pointed out one of my obvious needs, hunger. But do you know that I may have needs that are not obvious to me or to you? In fact, I have needs that I don't even know about. Eating bread will not meet those needs. I need a lot more than bread. He replied, man shall not live by bread alone. Because bread will only satisfy one need. But God, obeying God, honoring God, glorifying God, will satisfy all needs. This is why in day one, we looked at that section and said, we are asked to love God with all our heart and our soul and our mind, not just one area. Fasting is important, but there is a lot more to serving God than fasting. Praying is important, but there is a lot more to glorifying God than praying. So when Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone. What he was implying there was, I have needs that you do not know about. Do you may remember in John's Gospel chapter 4, having finished his conversation with the Samaritan woman, when the disciples came, the disciples said to Jesus, Teacher, eat. He said, I have food that you do not know about. I have needs that you do not know about. You only think of one form of hunger. But human beings have much, much greater hunger than just the physical hunger. Very interesting. I need a lot more than bread. Man shall not live by bread alone. Because not all my needs is summed up in hunger. I have uh, added uh, a third point and that is self-gratification. You will not find this third point in any of the theories of justification of intent. To me, this is essential to the understanding of human behavior. And that's why I have added this. Understanding of human behavior, whether you are a theist or an atheist, you still need to understand the idea of self-gratification as a justification for intent. In reality, self-gratification is based on theory of contingency, which we just looked before. It is an abuse of the goodness of God. We already reflected on this couple of weeks ago, if you remember, I said that the devil, the snake, the diviner, the one who falsely claims to reveal the mind of God or the word of God, knows very well not to attack God head on. You remember I mentioned that. The lie here is a distortion of truth. You may remember I paraphrased it for you. I paraphrased the words of the devil like this to Adam and Eve. You don't know your God well. Your creator is kind. He is long-suffering. He will even die for you. He will go to the end of the earth to protect you. All his death talk is to keep you under control and prevent you from exercising your free will, your God-given human right to rebel against him. That is why he has put conditions and rules and regulations. Listen to me. I know him. I have stood against him a long time ago and I still continue to rebel. Do I, let, do I look dead to you? 
there is no judgment there is no punishment i promise you this god of yours is too loving and too kind to make you suffer the consequences of your action you are gods don't worry the modern equivalent of what the devil said is name it and claim it sorry folks if your church promotes that name it and claim it the tempter appealed to the goodness of god to make the first humans to do the wrong thing the third temptation of jesus as presented in the gospel of luke which is actually the second uh, temptation in the gospel of matthew is rather intriguing because it is designed to abuse the goodness of god just like it happened in the garden you know the devil did not say god is bad he said actually god is good don't worry he will look after you the diabolos the devil leads jesus to the highest point on the temple in jerusalem he said throw yourself down from here angels will guard you why because your father god of the bible is a good god he will not allow you to crumble he will not allow your feet to hit the stones or your legs to break or your ribs to crash he reminded jesus quoting from psalm 91 for he will command his angels concerning you you know what god has a purpose for your life huh don't we hear this every sunday in churches god has a purpose for your life he has already commanded his angels he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways what a beautiful beautiful verse the devil says to jesus you know what god has a purpose for you he will guard you in all your ways they will lift you up in their hands wow so that you will not strike your foot against a stone jesus responded with another contingency argument it is written do not put the lord your god to test i'm going to paraphrase again this is what jesus said to the devil i know god will look after me he will send his angels if necessary he will come down himself but i have no need to prove it to me or to you i know it not because of proofs but because of my relationship with my father this is a relationship issue not a miracle issue thank you very much for coming but i'll stick with the assurance of my relationship with my father than any proof of yours what a beautiful way to put it this is what jesus said jesus said thank you very much i know my father better than you i know he will die for me if necessary but my connection with the father is not based on a miracle but it is based on a relationship to all my friends who are out there who are into naming and claiming please listen to what jesus said please do not abuse god's goodness for self gratification this is the ploy of the devil to thwart your true enjoyment of faith remember i shared with you last year that we must move on from faith as an abstract idea to faithfulness as an existential reality god is asking not for faith faithfulness because faith must produce faithfulness otherwise faith is a meaningless theoretical theological concept in our heads i explained this by sharing with you the story of the three young jews you may remember it as they shadrach meshach and abednego as they faced the fiery furnace and the wrath of the king they turned to the king and said o king we have no need to answer you in this matter our god is able exactly what jesus said to the devil god can do it of course it is in the bible you quoted me psalm 91 our god is able to deliver us but even if he does not deliver us 
we are not going to do the wrong thing and that is faithfulness our god is able to deliver is faith even if he does not deliver i'm not going to do the wrong thing is faithfulness what jesus in essence was saying is i know god's angels will look after me in fact he said that he said if i want i can call out how many legions of angels to come and protect me but my kingdom is not of this world it is not angels that i need what i need to do is to do the will of my father to obey is my commission not call out for angels i know my father will send me angels there is no shortcut to discipleship if we do like the people of israel in the wilderness we will end up empty and lean instead of being full and satisfied we read that what they got was emptiness and leanness so the fourth deception is we can enjoy god's goodness without having a relationship with god that is the deception of the devil we can enjoy god's goodness without having a relationship with god god is faithful his faithfulness is evidenced in our relationship with him what do we get in return for resisting the tempter the tempter said to jesus jump god will send his angels to protect you jesus said i know my father is good he will go to the end of the earth and even to eternity and back to care for me but i will wait for him rather than short circuit the process by taking your shortcut thank you what happened then the devil left him aha the verse does not stop there something happened after that what happened after that that's him for a while in matthew's gospel we read and the angels came to minister to him the temptation doesn't give us anything more than what god has already promised to give to us jesus said thank you very much i don't need angels right now and definitely don't need angels according to the shortcut that you have promised me i'm going to stick with my relationship with my father that is more important besides i have needs other than just hunger i have needs other than just fame or glory i mean in fact he says to his disciples who said when you come in your kingdom will you let one of us to sit on your right and left he said you know you have no idea what you're talking about can you drink this cup there are much much greater things that i'm concerned about you thinking of sitting on my right and left you don't even know what is my right and what is my left can you drink this cup the devil promised the protection of the angels jesus said thank you i would rather have a relationship with my father the devil left him for a while and angels came and ministered to him friends the angels came indeed as per psalm 91 not to save a disobedient man but to show how much god loves an obedient man that's the beauty of it angels came and the angels ministered to jesus not as the devil promised but as god promised the devil was right about god but his motives were wrong because they were not godly and that's the difference remember there are angels in the garden god appointed them to make sure that adam and eve do not come back to the garden but if it was the other way around that if they had obeyed these same angels would have been ministering to them rather than stopping them preventing them from enjoying god's blessings is he god sent them out of the garden and appointed angels with flaming swords so the lord god banished him from the garden of eden to work the ground from which he had been taken after he drove the man out he placed on the east side of the garden of eden cherubim 
and a flashing sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life i am not sure if you are able to see the irony of what has happened here in the wilderness jesus refused the temptation of the devil and the angels came and ministered to him in the garden the first human surrendered to the temptation and god appointed angels to keep them out of the garden imagine if he can with me if only they had resisted the tempter the same angels would have been their servants it was not necessity it was not contingency it was instant gratification that got some wrong that's my third point that got the first humans into trouble they lost what they already had because they wanted it without their relationship with god this is the true meaning of paradise lost i thought i better leave you on a good note